Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. head over to John chapter 5. That's going to be today, John chapter 5. And uh, while you're turning there, um, I need to catch us up on some things happening in the life of our church. I've got a deep, deep belief, you will hear this from me often, that clarity produces unity and that churches move at the speed of unity. And so uh, we've got an incredible amount going on in the life of our church right now. Um, we just brought back 1,600 students from student camp at Lake Point Church. You're gonna, that's right. You're going to hear more about that. I love you guys. And uh, everything, you know, a lot of churches in the summer, they kind of like slow things down. And as you might be feeling right now, we sort of ramp things up. And so uh, as, uh, as your campus pastor may have mentioned just a second ago, um, next week we are starting uh, at the movies. We are very, very excited about this. And I do just want to say, um, if you're new with us, I want you to know what to expect next week is constantly in Jesus' ministry, what he would do is he would take modern day popular stories, they called them parables, and he would use these stories to illustrate biblical truths. And so um, that's what we do during at the movies. We've got this belief that as a church, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. And in order to reach people we've never reached before, we got to do things we've never done before. And so we'll be doing that during the series. We'll take modern day movies, like stuff you've seen in the theater, and then I'll be teaching, using them to illustrate biblical truths. And uh, it's just, honestly, it's a ton of fun. So on your way in, we got Coke, popcorn, your kids can meet all their favorite movie characters at all the campuses and and everything like that. It's going to be a blast. I'll say this, if there is somebody that is close to you, but far from God, the next four weeks are your best chance in the entire year to invite them to something that'll be compelling uh, to them when they come. So that starts next week. Now, that's not the only thing starting next week. Um, Guys, uh, let me just say this. So last week we had our soft launch for some of the volunteer teams. They're gonna be launching our North Dallas campus. Please help me both say thank you and welcome. We had over a thousand people at the soft launch to the North Dallas, right, man, come on, North Dallas campus, uh, for North Dallas campus. And so um, that campus launch, a grand opening is next week. And so I just wanna say this to you, you're gonna hear a sentence I say right now at the end end of the message, okay? God did not just save you for you to sit there. He saved you to send you. That's the whole reason he did it. So Jesus died for you, it's just not all about you. 
And so what, what I'm hoping God does is he raises up. Listen, what we saw last week is not enough for, for what we need to do to reach that part of Dallas. I'm hoping God raises up hundreds of inside of Lake Point church planters who'd go, hey man, I want my family to be in. We're gonna be like church planters inside of our own church. We're gonna attend, serve, give at the North Dallas campus for the next six months at least to get that sucker off the ground and reach as many people as we can. This, by the way, is a picture of uh, the prayer gathering right before last week, absolutely incredible. So if you would be willing to do that right now while I'm talking, I want you to text the word launch to the number 20411. And then next week, guys, first time ever, we'll be officially welcoming our brand new North Dallas campus. It's gonna be awesome. Okay, now I gotta get going. We gotta get into the Bible. So if you got your Bibles, head over to John chapter five. And I wanna start in a very straightforward way. Um, right now at all of our campuses, everybody join in online. I need you right now to get a long-standing issue in your head that very frankly, you have not been able to get freedom from. I need you to figure out what that is. For some of you, that might honestly be an addiction and you've got this secret addiction and instead of dealing with it, you've been coping with it and you're a high-functioning alcoholic or a high-functioning pornography addict or a high-functioning substance addict, but you're actually not getting freedom from the issue, you're just learning to cope with it. Um, for some of you, it's an emotional issue it's the depression or it's the anxiety that you've been in for months, maybe years, maybe decades. And no matter what you try, you're not able to get out of it. Um, for some of you, it's not emotional, it's not physical, it's relational. You've got this habit in your life, in relationships, or you've got a broken marriage or something sideways in your relationship with your children or your parents, somebody you love very much, and you are still in that brokenness and you don't seem to be able to get out. I want you to fix that issue in your mind and everything I say in the next few minutes as I preach John chapter five, I want you to filter it through the lens of that thing that you don't seem to be able to get freedom from. And I wanna ask you a very straightforward question right now. Do you want to be made well? Okay, now, if you got your Bibles, I, I wanna show you why I'm asking that question. So pick up with me. In John chapter five, we're gonna start in verse one and I just wanna jump right into this passage. Now watch what it says. It says this, well, by the way, we're finishing a, a series that we've called Shoes, Walking a Mile on People's Shoes Who Had an Encounter with Jesus. Today we're hitting a guy who didn't have any shoes, he had a mat. And so I'm gonna get there in a second, okay? John five, chap, uh, chapter five, verse one. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. It's because Jerusalem is at a high spot. If you ever go with me, well, maybe we'll all go together sometime. You gotta walk uphill anywhere you're going to Jerusalem. It says, so he went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. That word Bethesda, it means house of mercy. Beth means house, Hesda means mercy. And personally, I believe it's like a vision of what the church is supposed to be. This is a house of mercy, okay? Now, this is what we got here. So all these people are around this gate. I've actually walked right around that sheep gate there in Jerusalem, which has five roofed colonnades. Now, now watch who was there. In these lay a multitude of invalids. Fix that in your head. Kind of get a mental picture because it's gonna be important in a second. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who had been there, who had been an invalid, say it out loud with me, for how long? For 38 years. Nearly four decades, this one man had just been laying there in his issue. Four decades. By, by the way, the average life expectancy in the first century was around 36 to put this in perspective, listen, man, I turned 39 last weekend, like on Sunday, okay? 
Now, how many of you are with me and you're kind of like, man, 38 years, that, that ain't so long actually, not, not, okay. Well, that's a long time to just lay there on a mat. And this man's been laying there for, for 38 years. Now, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he asked him his question, okay? Watch this question. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, for anybody else, when you hear that, are you like, what a stupid question, Jesus. This dude that's been an invalid, paralyzed for 38 years, going, do you want to be, that's like asking like a starving person, do you want a Big Mac? It's like asking somebody declaring bank- bankruptcy, do you want a million dollars? It's like Jana asking me, do you want to make out? Stupid question. Uh, the answer, of course, he said, do you want to be made well? Now watch this. Now, now let me say this. Okay, actually, I'm gonna get that in a second. Okay, the sick man answered him, sir, I've got nobody, this is really important, to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Now, here's why he said that. There was a legend at this pool, the pool of Bethesda, that every now and then it was a spring-fed pool. And every now and then the spring that fed the pool would like get going at a higher velocity and it would stir the waters so that they would become, like in first century Greek, they call that living waters, where the waters would stir. And the living waters would begin to stir. And the legend was, whoever was the first person into the water would be healed by the angel that was stirring the waters. And so he said, man, no, nobody will let me, nobody will help me in, Jesus. Somebody always rushes in before me. So then Jesus looks at the man and he says this. He says, get up, take up your mat, bring it with you, and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. Now, that was, this is really important. That day was the Sabbath. I'm gonna get to in a second why that was really important. It was a Sabbath, okay? So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. I love this so much. Watch. But he answered them, well, the dude that healed me, that, now I want you to say these three words with me. The man who healed me, say the three words in yellow. That man said, that's important. That man said, take up your bed and walk. And so he did. Now, like I said, I want you, I'm starting a little more serious and straightforward than I typically do. I want you to have this thing in your head, your longstanding issue that you can't get freedom from. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus over the centuries and millennia. Do you want to be made well, now, why did Jesus ask this guy this question? I, I said earlier, it sounds like a dumb question. Can we be really honest? Anytime Jesus, the son of God and the omniscient Lord of Lords, anytime he asks a question and we think it's dumb, the issue is not that Jesus is dumb. The issue is that we're missing something. Amen, do we understand that? Like the issue is not, it's not a Jesus problem. There's an us problem. And when Jesus gets this guy and he sees, this dude's been laying there for 38 years. I want you to picture this. So this guy, he's just been laying on this mat. No shoes, all he's got is a mat. He's just been laying on this mat for 38 years. And Jesus looks at this guy, and I'll be really honest. Jesus says something to him that may sound to us mean. He essentially said to this man, are you sure that you actually want to be healed? Because it sure seems like you've been laying there for quite a long time. 38 years. So this, this dude, I'll be really honest. So 38 years, even if you have some paralysis you're, you know, in, in your life, surely in 38 years, one time you could be the dude to touch a water first. Just one time. Like if it's me, I'm going to be like inchworming my way up 
I'm gonna be doing this thing, whatever I gotta do. And then surely once in 38 years, I can just hear a little bubble at the back and go, boom, that's it. I got there. Surely once in 38 years. But Jesus looks at this guy and goes, hey, you've been there 38 years. I'm not sure you want to be healed. And so Jesus is going, hey, it seems like there's something keeping you on that mat. Now, I want to do this real quick. I want to speak to you in a really straightforward way. I'm going to talk about some sensitive things that could be taken the wrong way. So understand what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I want you to see from this passage, there are three things in your life that actually might be keeping you on the mat. Again, I'm just going to speak in a really straightforward way. Let me start with them. I want you to see them from the passage. Here's number one, is a victim community will keep you on the mat forever. Now, listen really close to what I'm going to say. What you got here is, remember, you got this one spot at the, the, uh, the colonnades where it says that all the invalids, everybody with all their issues, they all group together. Everybody with these issues grouped together in the same place. All the people did that. Now, the reason they did that is because misery loves company. Like, can I be really honest? As I just walk around churches and watch people in churches, I've noticed this in churches that everybody who has the same issues, they, they tend to group together. So like all the people with the gossip issue, they all find a way to get together. All the people who got this weird doctrinal issue and a weird belief, they all get together. All the people with this one sin issue, they all get together. All the people who are really cynical, they all get together. All the people with this addiction, they all get together. Why? Because misery loves company. Now listen to me. What's really dangerous is that those eventually become a victim community. Now, pause, caveat, sometimes that can be good, but you have to have the wisdom to understand the difference between communities of transformation and communities of affirmation. Those are very different things. In a community of transformation, what it is, is everybody in the community, they may have struggled with that issue at one time, and so they share that issue, but they're helping each other off the mat. That's a community of transformation. But watch this. Sometimes everybody with the same issue gets together, and it's not a transformation community. It's an affirmation community. And what that is, is that's a bunch of people applauding each other for staying on the mat. And guys, listen to me. That will lock you into your issue forever. Here's my example. There is a, an eternal difference between like regen, our recovery ministry, and a group of addicts that get together to use together on the weekend. Both of them share in common an issue together. The difference is in regen, it's a bunch of people with an issue helping each other get out Bunch of addicts getting together, it's a bunch of the same people with the same issue that are keeping each other in. And if you gradually identify, I'm gonna get to here in a second, identify yourself with your issue and you build a community of affirmation around your issue with you, what you are doing is by your relationships, you are locking yourself onto that mat forever. Because here's what happens in a victim community. What happens is they don't want you, the other people in the community, they don't want you to get off the mat because if you did, that would make them feel like they should. And what eventually happens is that you had to have the issue to get the relationships. And so in order to keep those relationships, you have to keep your issue. And if you don't have the issue, then you're out. And so what you end up with, watch this, you end up with people who wanna be accepted rather than changed. People who want to be affirmed rather than changed. People who want to be comforted rather than changed. People who want to be enabled and pitied rather than changed. Here's the problem. Jesus is in the transformation business. 
If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yes, so every now and then somebody will come into the church and they'll like literally ask me in the lobby, like, man, I'm here, but I, like, I wanna know right now, do you wanna change me? And in a very straightforward way, my answer is yes. Yes, we do. The entire reason that we walked in this place is because we self-identified, I'm on a mat and I need somebody to get me off. God, would you please make me a new creation? I need to be, I need to be born again. So listen, Jesus is in the transformation business. He didn't say to the guy, do you want a more comfortable mat? He said, get up and walk. Okay, so number one, what will keep you on your mat forever is if you form a victim community around you that applauds you staying on the mat. Now, number two, the danger of a victim community is that if you stay in it long enough, you end up with a victim mentality. A victim mentality. Now listen, let me just like low these many years. Let me tell you something I've seen in a lot of people's lives in a lot of different ways. There are two mentalities that will absolutely kill you in this life. They are a silent killer. They are prisons without bars. Here, here's number one, an entitlement mentality. An entitlement mentality says this. It says, I deserve it. An entitlement mentality says, man, there's good things that I don't have and I deserve them and it's somebody else's job to give it to me. That's an entitlement mentality. An entitlement mentality will lock you in a prison without bars because you, it, it convinces you that you do not have within yourself what it takes to get what you need. That's an entitlement mentality. Now, number two is what we're talking about. It's different, but it's related. Same species is not an entitlement mentality. It's a victim mentality. And a victim mentality doesn't say, I deserve it. Here's what a victim mentality says. It says, it's not my fault. There are bad things that I do have or that I have experienced, and it's, some, it's somebody else's job to get me out of this thing. Now, lest you think I'm just making that up, that's actually exactly what Jesus encounters in this man in this passage. Now, I want to show you this. It's really important. Check out verse 7. Look, look, actually, it's on the lower third. Look at verse seven. So when Jesus says to this man, do you want to be healed? Watch for the sick man's response. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. You see what he says? He goes, Jesus, it's not my fault. Everybody else is not doing their job. If everybody else was doing their job, well, then I would certainly get off the mat. I'd certainly be healed. But because nobody else did what they should do, it's not my fault. And I'm locked on the mat. And Jesus goes, actually, there's a problem underneath your problem. And underneath your issue is a victim mentality. And I've got to confront that. Now, we got to take it easy on this guy for two reasons. Number one, I bet it's really hard. I have never been an invalid for 38 years. I got a feeling that's really, really difficult. But here's number two. If we're reading our Bibles correctly, you understand this guy came by it honest. If you go back to the very beginning of Genesis, where our first parents, Adam and Eve, they first fall into sin, the root of every hurt, habit, and hangup that has ever been experienced in this world goes back to Genesis 2, the fall of humanity. Remember what happens is Eve, she breaks God's law and she eats the fruit and the entire world is cursed. Now, really quick, by the way, husbands, this is free husbands. Do you know why your wives have trouble deciding where to eat? Okay, because the first time they did it, they cursed the entire world. That's it, man. Like, come by it on it. It's right there, Genesis 2, okay? So, so watch this. But then watch how Adam responded. When God comes and he confronts Adam for like just standing passively by, we're gonna get at that when we get to our Act Like Men series in a few weeks. Adam's just standing passively by watching his wife fall into temptation. And God goes, hey, Adam, where were you? And you remember what he says? He immediately blame shifts. He goes, the woman you gave me, she did it. 
In other words, it's not my fault. It's that woman that you gave me. It's her or you. Now, that same thing, you got to see this. If you look at people you've known your entire life, you're going to notice that spiritual DNA is down in every person you ever met. This is a true story. When Eliana was four years old, my my, uh, oldest daughter, I walked into the kitchen and she had gotten into the pantry and she was like, y'all, I mean, like, looked like a crack addict with Oreo all over her face. I mean, just like, ah, she's going at it. And she just getting in there and, and eating the food and everything. And I just, you know, from behind her said, Eliana. And she freaks out. And she's like, well, you know, what's going on? I said, Eliana, you know, you're not supposed to get into the food. What are you doing? This is literally what she said. She pointed at her younger sister. She said, the sister you gave me, she convinced me to do it. Okay, you see that? So this is down deep in us, this blame-shifting thing. Now listen, the problem with this mentality, the victim mentality, is it locks you in a prison without bars. Because if you believe it's somebody else's fault, you have your issue, you believe that only somebody else can get you out of your issue, and that's not true. Can I say something to you in a very straightforward way? You will start healing the moment you stop blaming. You will start healing the moment you stop blaming. You might right now, you may look at me and you may say, Josh, I can't help it. You have no idea what they did to me. Will you, listen, will you look at me and feel the compassion in my eyes? I don't know what they did to you, but listen to me. It's not worth 38 years of your life. That person is not worth 38 years of your life. And so the second thing that will lock you on here is Jesus looks at this guy with this victim mentality and goes, hey man, do you want to be made well? Now, one of the most rewarding moments I had uh, earlier this year is it was sometime around right after February of 2022. Um, this guy, this is a picture of a guy named Scott Mays in our church, Scott Mays. And uh, yeah, man, some, some of us uh, know Scott Mays. I bet there's some folks in our region ministry. And, and Scott, uh, Scott and I had not talked much before, but he grabbed me in the lobby with tears in his eyes and a chip in his hand shortly after February. And he said, Pastor Josh, this is my two-year sobriety anniversary. Okay, and here's Scott, that's right. And here's Scott's story is Scott began to explain to me that in 1998, he was struggling with some secret addictions, some codependency. And then in 1998, he started drinking for the first time. And one drink turned into two drinks. And then every, you know, every weekend turned in every day and then multiple drinks and multiple drinks. And all of a sudden, Scott began to realize that he didn't, he wasn't drinking sometimes. He was wrestling with alcoholism. And that began to wreck his life, his marriage, his family. But then on, it was the specific day, it was February 1st, 2020. The reason Scott found me was because it was the day we were in a series called Detox Habits. And God used the message that day for Scott to make a decision, I do want to be made well. And so Scott took a step that day, a scary step, and he, he got into a life group we have at Lake Point called Regen. That's our recovery ministry. Now, if you were to, on the outside, look in, just watch Scott's life for the next couple of years, you would just think, oh, yeah, you know, it's cool. He did the 12 steps. You know, he admitted he was powerless, and, you know, he made amends and called on a higher power, and, you know, then he helped everybody else, and that's uh, really cool. He did the 12 steps. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. If you're on the outside, you look at him. But if you were to ask Scott Mays what happened, what he would say is, I called on a higher power, but his name is undeniably Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord of Lords. And he is the one that reached down in, and I took a step, and I wanted to be made well. And then Scott, at that day, he came and had experienced two years of freedom from his addiction. And listen, what, what I came to say to you today is it doesn't matter how long you've been down 
you are never out through the power of Jesus Christ that is available to you. Guys, I listen, I don't care how long you've been in bondage to something. When the presence and power of Christ is there, you're never out. In fact, what I came to tell somebody today is that thing that you gave up on long ago, it's still possible. Why? Because one second in the presence of God can change everything. One second in the presence of God. And so when Jesus comes to this guy and he says, hey man, do you want to be made well? He was asking a question to an invalid 2,000 years ago. He was also asking that question to you right now. Can Can I ask you that question? Do you really want to be made well. Can I ask you that? Because there are some of you who you've been wrestling with that same thing for 28 years and regen has been right there and you've never taken the step to try. Do you want to be made well? Some of you, you've been wrestling with that sin, that secret sin that so easily entangles and you've known that's been a thing for months, years, some of you decades, but you've never taken the step like the Bible says to confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Do you want to be made well? Some of you, it's like that marriage has been locked up exactly where it is for a real long time and you know that it's not what it should be, not what God wants it to be, not what you want it to be what maybe your children need it to be, but you've never been willing to take the step to actually do something. Get into re-engage, get into a life group, consistently start attending church, consistently getting the word. And you've been doing that same thing, the water's right there, but you won't roll in. And I'm asking that question, do you want to be made well? You see, a victim community will eventually lock you into a, a victim mentality, but here's the problem. You gotta understand this, guys. Jesus doesn't heal people who need help. He heals people who want help. So you've got to get out of the victim mentality. Go, I can and I want to be made well. Now watch this, number three. Number three is the problem with being, if you're in a victim mentality long enough, you will eventually end up with a victim identity. And this is the most dangerous of them all, a victim identity. Have you ever noticed in this passage that this man that's in this passage, we know his issue, but we are never told his name. That is fascinating to me. We know his issue, but we've never known his name. Have you ever known somebody who their issue became their identity? You ever known that? Now, what will happen to you, listen, here's what this sounds like. A victim mentality becomes a victim identity when you start talking in terms of not what I struggle with, but who I am. Now, again, I'm gonna say some things a little straightforward. Listen, man, I'm doing this because I love you and I want you to be made well. Here's what this sounds like. A victim identity sounds like this. Instead of saying, man, I struggle with alcohol you start to say about yourself, no, no, I am an alcoholic. That's a victim identity. Uh, I'll give you another one. Uh, You may say something like this. Instead of uh, thinking, I failed. You start to think about yourself, no, no, I am a failure. That's a victim identity. Let's do another one. Instead of you you, uh, thinking, man, that person didn't like me, you begin to believe the lie, no, no, I am unlike a bull, which means no one will like me. And now your issue has become your identity and that's all you'll ever be. Like really straightforward, man, really straightforward. There are some people who you're gonna hear me right now. And right now, instead of you saying, hey, I'm struggling with some identity or some gender questions. You're saying, no, no, I am trans. So that you're making your issue your identity. Or when you start to say something like this, instead of saying, hey, there was a time where I had an affair. 
No, no, now you start to identify yourself not as, I had this issue. You're going, no, no, I am an adulterer. And all these things, what they are, is they're a victim mentality that eventually became a victim identity. Now, here's what you gotta know. This is the best news of this passage. In this passage, what this man does is he has the strength of conviction to say, that's not who I am. There is only one guy who gets to tell me who I am. That's it, only one guy. So I love this part of the passage. So you you may have noticed when we read it, uh, Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath. I'll be really honest. I think Jesus intentionally does that a lot because it really ticks religious people off. And I think honestly, Jesus like internally got a, a tremendous amount of glee from ticking off religious people because he's just constantly doing it. And and there was a reason for this because here's what, a whole different sermon. What religious people do is they add rules to God's rules and then whether you're in or out depends on whether or not you keep the rules they made up in addition to God's rules. And oh, surprise, they're always on the inside and you're always on the outside. That's what religious people do, okay? So what this guy does, what they had done is they did this with the Sabbath. There was one rule, honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy, do no work on the Sabbath. That was one rule, okay? What these religious people did is they added, they took one rule and they made a 39 page long checklist about what you could and could not do on the Sabbath to the point of absolute absurdity. This is a true story. I've got a pastor friend, they still do this, who a few years ago went over to Jerusalem and he was there on a Sabbath, Saturday, that's their Sabbath, and he got on the elevator in his hotel. And he's got on the elevator. You know, he's standing there. There's a bunch of people in the elevator. And the elevator is literally, it's just like a sky rise, is literally stopping on every single story of, of the entire sky rise. So he turns around. And he goes like, hey, bro, like, well, he didn't say bro. He's, that's me. He said, hey, guys, like, what's the deal with the, uh, with the elevator? And they said, oh, this is a Shabbat elevator. And he said, Shabbat, is that Hebrew for slow? What's that mean? Okay. And they went on to explain it and they said, no, 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 according to our rule, we can't do any work on the Sabbath. And in our big long checklist, making a fire is work. And so we can't press the button on the elevator because that sends an electric current through the little wire. And we think that counts as starting a fire. And so we build these Shabbat, Shabbat elevators to stop on every single floor of the entire sky rise. So we don't break the no fire rule. So his question was, man, that's awesome. Y- y'all got a Gentile elevator anywhere? Yeah, that? And, and they, they, were, they said, actually, yeah, it's right next door, okay? So he gets off on the, the very next floor, gets out, hops on the Gentile elevator, gets in, you know, gets ready to press a button, turns around. All of them followed him over to the Gentile elevator. They say, can you press seven for us? Okay. See, that's what religious people do. Will you please break the rules for me? It's great for you to do that. Will you just do that for me? Now, one of the rules, the reason they get so upset, one of the rules was, you can't transfer an object from one domain to another. And Jesus had told this man, listen, I think he did it on purpose. Get up, pick up your mat and go and be healed, okay? Now, so all the religious people come and here's what they say to the the guy. They go, it's not lawful for you to pick up your mat. They can't focus on the healing. Religious people hate when Jesus heals people. They hate that. They can't focus on the healing. All they can focus on is somebody broke one of their rules. So listen to what this guy says. I love this so much. He says, the man who healed me, that guy said, he told me to pick up my mat. In other words, the guy goes, I'm gonna, how about I'm gonna listen to the guy that healed me? How about I'm gonna listen to that guy and not you? I'm gonna listen to the guy. That man said about me, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now listen, here's what I'm driving at. Guys, 
Only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. That man said, that's the only thing that matters. Only Jesus gets to tell you are, because listen to me, man, in Christianity, identity leads to activity. It's not that our activity leads to our identity. You have to understand this. It's the basis of all the Christian. So it's not I obey and therefore I'm a child of God. No, no. God saves me by his grace apart from anything I have ever done or that I will do. He makes me his child. And then after he gives me a new identity, I start picking up new family habits. Identity leads to activity in the Christian life. The verdict comes before the performance. That's the best news you ever heard. I'm preaching like 10 times better than you're responding right now. The verdict comes before the performance. And so what this guy says is he goes, hey, listen, That man said this about me. And what that means about you is that only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. Listen, Satan wants to define you by your scars. Jesus says you are defined by his. That's the only thing that matters. So listen, I'm gonna do something right now that I do about every three years here at Lake Point. And I promised myself the first time I did it, it's arguably the most important thing I'll ever say in a sermon. And so about every two to three years, I'm gonna make sure I get this in. Guys, only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. You look at me right now, what that means is that you are not your addiction. I don't care how many times you've stood up in an AA meeting and said, hi, my name is John and I'm I'm an alcoholic. Listen, you may struggle with alcoholism, but your deepest identity is not that you are an alcoholic. You are a child of the living God. See, you are not your addiction. Man, you are not your past. No matter how deep the transgression, you are not your past. You are not your sin. No matter how bad what you did was, you are not your sin. Man, you are not your orientation. And I know you got a million people in your ear telling you what you should and should not do with that part of your life, but you are not your orientation. You are not your affair. You are not your abortion. You are not your divorce. Guys, listen to me. You may look at those things and you go, yeah, Josh, but it feels like that's the biggest thing that ever happened in my life. No, no, no. Jesus dying and resurrecting for you is the biggest thing that ever happened in your life. That is what defines you and nothing else. Because listen, man, Only Jesus, only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. But listen to me, that also means it's not just that you're not your failures. This also means that you are not your successes. Yeah, you're not your worst day. But listen to me, man, you are also not your best day. Man, you are not your success. You are not your 401k. Your net worth does not equal your self-worth. You are not your position on some org chart at some company. You have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You're as high as you're going to get, man. You are not your position on some corporate ladder. Only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. So here's what I said. Like I said, I do this about every three years. Man, the world is lorded over by the father of lies, and you have spent your entire life having thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lies about your identity spoken over you by people around you, TV, media, everything. Thousands of lies. Here's what I did, man. I took time, and this took a long time. I took time, and I compiled every single thing the Bible says about who you are. What I'm going to do in the next couple minutes is I'm going to re, I'm going to declare. I'm going to declare these things over you. And what I want you to do is I want you to pause. Maybe you close your eyes in your seats, and I want you to pause and let waves and waves of mercy about who God says you are, wash over you so that those lies begin to fall off of your soul. So pause, silence, and you receive this. Here is who Jesus says you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
You are a child of God. You are Jesus Christ's friend. You are chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. You are a slave of righteousness. You are a temple. And guys, that's got nothing to do with what you look like in a bathing suit. You are a dwelling place of the living God. You are a new creation. You are reconciled to God and you are a minister of reconciliation. You are a saint. Hear that, Catholics? You're a saint. So what that means is you can take off that necklace of some dead guy. You can put yourself on your own necklace. Next time you see your grandma, you can say, hey, from now on, it's Saint Eric because the Bible says I'm a saint. You are a saint. You are holy and dearly loved. You are a member of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. You are an alien and stranger to this world in which you temporarily live. You are an enemy of the devil. You are born of God and the devil cannot touch you. You are not the great I am, but by the grace of God, you are what you are. You are justified. What that means is is that it's just as if you'd never sinned. You are completely forgiven and made righteous. You are free forever from condemnation. That word condemnation, it's a builder's term, meaning unfit for use. But the Bible says that now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have received the spirit of God into your life that you might know the things freely given to you by God. You are valuable and you should be treated as valuable. You are sealed by God in Christ. You have been given the Holy Spirit as a pledge guaranteeing your inheritance to come. You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit that you may approach the throne of God with boldness. Why? Because he's your dad and dads love it when their kids come running to him. You have been rescued from the domain of Satan's rule and you've been transferred from, to the kingdom of Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You should know that full well. You died with Christ and you have been raised with Christ. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You have been given a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. You have been saved and set apart according to God's doing. And because you have been sanctified, you are one with the sanctifier. He is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. You have the right to come boldly before the throne of God and find mercy and grace in your time of need. You have been given exceedingly great and precious promises by God by which you are a partaker of his divine nature and you are loved by God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. That's who you are. And only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. You never let some identity lock you into an activity because Jesus has given you a new, new identity. And the spirit, of, the spirit of power that raised him from the dead is at work in you. Now, last thing. I just need you to know this. I need you to see this in the passage. Is that the healing in this man's life, it did not come from the place he thought it would come from. For 38 years, he had lain in his issue. And he had thought, if I can just get into that water, when it stirs and becomes living, well, then I'll be healed. And then Jesus comes. <laughs> I love this so much. And you remember what Jesus said about himself? He said, I, I'm living water. I'm living water. And if you, you just come to me, then you can be healed. Some of you today, there is healing on the other side of a step that you take towards Jesus. And there be, may be something in your life and you're like, Matt, I'm a little scared to do it. Do it. Do it. Do you want to be made well? Now, some of you on your way out, it might be something like, man, you need to throw your cigarettes in the trash can on the way out. Some of you, you don't need to leave this building 
before you text another man in your life group and say, hey man, I got this issue on my computer and I'm dealing with it and I need to get honest with you because here's why, because I know that I've already been forgiven, but I wanna be made well. Some of you, you've got this addiction and you've been coping instead of getting freedom and you need to like today, like in your seat, just text the word group to 20411 and you need to take a step into regen. And today needs to be the day that you set a miracle in motion. Do you wanna be made well? Do you wanna be made well? Some of you, it's like, man, it's this issue in your family or in your marriage. And it doesn't have to stay this way but you gotta seek healing in a place that you didn't think it would come from. And so you need to get into like a, a re-engage group. Again, you can text the word group, 20411, whatever you need to do. But listen, today, let today be the day of salvation. Call upon the Lord while he is near because he wants you to get up, pick up that mat and let your pain become a platform for the glory of God. And you start walking, you start walking. So I wanna pray that that would happen to you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And Holy Spirit, I pray that right now, every single person with the, within the hearing of the word of God will begin to feel like a life-giving breath of fresh air by your Holy Spirit just passing through their life. God, we confess before you that we need a power outside of ourselves in order to be set free. And we believe that we have that power in you because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so Father, like even right now, as people are making tiny decisions to be made well, I pray that your spirit will be like breathing invigorating power into those things. And that just like your word says, it'd be like bone coming back against bone, dry bones beginning to live again as your word and power go out among the people of God and we're reinvigorated by your spirit. So Father, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would not just heal us for us, but so that we could be saved to be sent and that you would give us stories, testimonies of the healing power of Jesus Christ and that we would go everywhere and tell everybody that you are mighty to save. Father, I pray it for your glory in Jesus' crucified and risen name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.